Entree today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, I'm glad you have tuned in. Race, class, and environmental justice. Those are three things we think and talk an awful lot about here on Detroit Today. And tomorrow, there's a law symposium dedicated to those issues happening at the University of Detroit Mercy Law School. Here to talk with us about some of the specific ways these topics will be addressed is Nick Schreck, who is the Associate Dean of the Detroit Mercy Law School. Nick, welcome back. To Thanks for Detroit having me, Stephen, as always. Yep. Also with us is Bridget Underhill. She is the law student who organized this symposium that's taking place tomorrow. Bridget, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So, Bridget, I want to start with you and how race, class, and environmental justice all intersect from your view. Why did a symposium around these topics make sense for you? Well, as someone who has consistently had the luxury of access to clean water and air, I think we have a responsibility to educate ourselves on environmental issues because there are so many marginalized people in this country and in Michigan who suffer negative health impacts from air pollution and they can't grow vegetable gardens because of hazardous substances in the dirt and they can't move because they don't have the financial means. So I hope the event allows a lot of people to join in on this conversation and it's even more important now with the current administration trying to deregulate the few federal protections we have for our air and water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick, you are part of a panel that is going to talk about water justice and lead exposure. You have been in this studio before right. discussing these issues with me. Tell us uh, about how right. this discussion so, will take well, place. Well, we're, we're interested to unpack again. I mean, this, this is really still in the wake of the Flint water crisis. We're looking at you know, what are our current regulations and then what changes need to be made to ensure that we don't have that type of crisis occur again in Michigan and in other states and really around the world. So we're going to look at our current regulations, the lead and copper rule under the Clean Water Act. We're going to look at um, some of these, these new Michigan laws, the, the Michigan changes that now are requiring lead service lines to be replaced. So we'll look at some of the legal issues around that. And then also the, this question of, of health. I mean, so we won't be specifically looking at COVID-19 or the coronavirus, but um, you know, waterborne disease. You know, how do we regulate waterborne disease? Um, one of the things I'll be talking about specifically is the um, Legionnaires' disease outbreak around mm -hmm. the Flint water crisis, which did not get a lot of attention, even though we had 90-some people uh, that were directly infected as a result of that water crisis with, with an, a, a waterborne disease. Uh -huh. So we'll talk about those regulations and how we can, again, hopefully prevent those types of tragedies from happening in the future. Yeah. You know, I'm interested in the ways in which race and class exacerbate these issues. I mean, here in Michigan, I feel like we all have environmental issues that we would, should probably be paying more attention to and certainly be working harder on. But uh, Bridget, as you pointed out, it looks different for for people in different places and people who have different ethnic backgrounds and, and economic means. I wonder if you could both talk a little about, again, that intersection and how we see that playing out. Yeah, Bridget, why don't you start? I mean, I know you were, uh, so Bridget was in my environmental law class last semester and we, mm -hmm. we took a tour. We actually did an environmental justice tour. Um, so I don't know if maybe that yeah. in, in, impacted your view a little bit. It, it actually did. Um, we were able to take a bus tour with uh, the Cure Center at Wayne State. And one of the things that stood out to me was when we went to the 48217 zip code, which is Michigan's most polluted zip code. Um, there's toxic air due to steel mills, 
uh, coal-fired power plants, one of the nation's largest oil refineries, and they're all located next to schools, neighborhoods, parks, a recreation center, and the area is predominantly black and low income. Mm -hmm. And these people are suffering from disproportionately high rates of asthma, cancer, respiratory problems, and cognitive impairments, and all of which are tied to air pollution. So it is important uh, for the event that we're bringing together legal professionals and local organizers for a free exchange of ideas and conversation to help address these injustices in Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's really, you know, when you look at these neighborhoods, I mean, Bridget mentioned 48217, um, Southwest Detroit, also rural areas in Michigan. So we'll talk about some of the issues um, that indigenous people have dealt with or that, um, you know, Latino, Latinx people have dealt with around um, herbicide and pesticide exposure through um, agriculture workers. And so, I mean, there's there's a lot of different issues, you know, right here in Detroit, the, the symposium could just focus on the many issues we have related to race. You know, you look at these neighborhoods that are the most impacted, as Bridget mentioned, and then you go back and look historically at, um, you know, where were African-Americans allowed to buy homes and mm -hmm, live. And mm -hmm. in many of those, you see the overlap of, of redlining in the same areas that are now the most polluted. And you kind of wonder, oh, did that happen by accident? And um, well, no, it didn't. We actually had a system of laws that encouraged certain types of behavior or regulated certain types of behavior that led us to where we are today. And we're, we're hoping to address that. Right? Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that affects all of this, of course, is climate change. And some of the things that we're seeing happen uh, in Michigan that we haven't seen a whole lot of before, the lake levels going uh, up and down as dramatically as they do, those also have effects that are influenced by by race and class. If you are poor, if you are uh, in a demographic uh, minority, uh, these things are going to play out differently in your life. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, we started to see some attention about high lake levels and perhaps related to climate change. Once we had wealthy property owners that were being impacted on Lake Michigan mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, Northern Lake Huron, where, oh, we're, we're our, um, our beautiful beachfront properties are potentially falling into the lake, um, then we start seeing some proposed legislation. You know, we've been talking about for years about issues related to water security, water affordability um, for people here in the city of Detroit. And many of those calls have fallen on deaf ears. So yeah, one of the things we will be addressing is climate change. We'll be looking at uh, the Green New Deal and some other proposals at trying to make sure that as we're moving into a greener future, that it's an equitable future. And so yeah, Bridget, I don't know if you want to hit on that at all either, but we're, we're definitely focusing on that as part of the symposium as well. Yeah, Yeah. so we have eight speakers um, from out of state and 10 speakers from Michigan joining us. Um, and since you mentioned it, one of the speakers coming from out of state, I find their topic really interesting. It's about um, and the natural disasters and climate change panel we're having. Hmm. It's about sea level rise planning for disadvantaged communities and an equitable approach to buyback programs because when the government's buying back these properties from people, the amount of money they're getting for that property isn't enough to then go purchase a new home to live. So Close where do they else. go? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, talk a little also about... Um, uh, um, the, the 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 sort of garish examples we see of of environmental um, violations and things like that. I'm thinking now about this green ooze sure, yeah. that was on on 696. Um, there, there's a regulatory environment that we need to talk about in terms of doing better to make sure that things like that not only don't happen but don't don't have disparate effect on on people who have few choices. That's right. And we need to be very vigilant in, you know, regulations are only as strong as their enforcement. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, you can have 
a wonderful protective environmental law, but if it's not enforced, it's it's effectively meaningless. You know, it's a paper tiger. And so what we saw in Michigan really over 30 years, maybe 40 years, was a lacks in uh, basically the level of enforcement was was very lacking we, we had low levels of enforcement and so now when one of the things we're hoping to do is that we've got a lot of these laws like our resource conservation recovery act which should have prevented the green news situation from happening but you had a bad actor a person who was just flouting the law we had epa and michigan department of environmental quality back then they knew about it they had brought enforcement actions yet still this conduct was allowed to continue they didn't come in and shut them down and padlock the facility so um yeah definitely we're looking for more vigorous enforcement of our environmental laws because without that enforcement piece it really is is in some ways meaningless right yeah. you just have a, you have a law without enforcement what's the point yeah uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guests are Nick Schreck, who's Associate Dean of Experiential Education and an Associate Professor at the Detroit Mercy School of Law. Also with us is Bridget Underhill, a law student and Law, Re- law Review Symposium Director uh, at Wayne State University. We're talking about in a symposium, a law symposium on race, class, and environmental justice happening this week at Wayne State University. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us which threat to our environment concerns you the most. Is it air pollution? Is it rising water levels? Is it toxic industrial dump sites, perhaps near your neighborhood? Uh, What do you think needs to happen to address these issues? And do you trust the public officials, especially the ones that we elect, to protect us and everyone else here in Michigan. I'm sorry, I said that law symposium is at Wayne State University. It's actually, of course, at Detroit Mercy. School All of our friends of at Wayne law. State are welcome to come, and we're, we're right down the road, and we work, we work together. We've got a lot of close uh, relationships. Yeah. But yeah, Detroit Mercy uh, tomorrow on Friday. Yes, yep. and we are, of course, quite privileged here in the city of Detroit to have two great law schools uh, within our borders. Um, but if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Tell us what environmental concerns are front of mind for you uh, and what what they look like in your neighborhood, what they look like in your community. You can also go to Facebook or to Twitter and put comments there and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, I always, when we are talking about this subject, want to give some air to the things that are going right mm-hmm. or going better. Uh, I, I know that there are lots of things that we're doing that aren't working, uh, but let's talk a little about things that you two see as hopeful developments, perhaps, uh, on these fronts. Well, I'll just, I mean, I'll start. I just criticized our government for a lack of enforcement. Um, one good development is Attorney General Nessel has now um, announced that they're hiring two assistant attorney generals to focus on environmental enforcement, which is great. Um, there had been, uh, again, just a, a long-term uh, process there where we were not actively enforcing our environmental laws to the level, uh, to the full extent of those laws. So I think that's hopeful. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of encouraging um, support sort of from the ground up for things like the Green New Deal, you know, looking at what our energy future looks like. And that's encouraging. I don't know if Bridget, if you want to jump in. Well, I, as a law student, I don't really have a lot of knowledge in this area. So that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to learning at this event. We have four panels. We have a lunch keynote discussion. Um, so I think the 18 speakers that we're going to have are are going to help all of the people attending the event to, to really have more knowledge on this topic. Mm-hmm. So then they can take that and really join the conversation, hopefully advocate for change in their communities. Yeah. Uh, Bridget, tell us a little more about 
your interest in this, your law student, and uh, what what makes this the part of law that uh, attracts your attention, and what do you hope to do with it when you are done at Detroit Mercy Law School? Um, well, I last year, uh, last spring, I think, is when we really settled on the topic, mm-hmm. and getting to learn from Professor Shrek a lot about environmental law was my introduction to it. I've always been someone that believes in recycling to the best of your ability and avoiding single-use plastic. And, you know, I get really fired up when I go to the grocery store and I see all of the vegetables wrapped in plastic because it's not necessary. And those are the things that uh, I've always kind of been hyper aware of. And so now having this opportunity to to learn about the regulation involved and the ways that I can actually try to make a difference is is something I'm really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Let's talk a little about food justice, which I think figures into this uh, as well, especially here in the city of Detroit, where we have lots of communities that are not uh, within reasonable distance of fresh food in, in particular. Again, the race and class dimension of it really plays out in that, in that arena. Right. Um, you know, how, how far away is the nearest full service grocery store? Um, how far away from, from people um, can they actually, is it to go get fresh fruits and vegetables? I mean, these are things that, you know, when we talk about the idea of food deserts, um, you know, I think the situation in Detroit has certainly improved over the last five to 10 years, but it still is a, a real problem. I mean, there are neighborhoods in the city where it is, it is very difficult to find good, healthy, fresh fruits and vegetables at an affordable price. And that's the other piece. Um, so again, we're seeing some encouraging developments, you know, Eastern markets, done a lot to try and do community um, awareness and engagement about, um, you know, using uh, your WIC card, you can go there and and get fresh fruit and vegetables. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, there's some, I think, positive developments there, but it remains to be a huge problem. Um, And it's just the educational piece, too. I mean, Bridget talked about, you know, we, there's some things that I think we we just know, and they're in the consciousness about, you know, recycling and all of that. Um, But when we really start getting down to the like how these decisions are made and how these laws, regulations are put in place that then shape our behavior, we have to make sure that that's done in an equitable fashion and that we're planning to make sure that all of our citizens, everybody, has access to a healthy environment so that they can live and thrive. Yeah. And so so that's really, I think, what we need to work towards. Yeah. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Sean in Detroit. Sean, uh, yes. on your mind? Go ahead. Hi. Uh, I, um, yeah, this is Sean, and I live in southwest Detroit. And I'm calling because I'm often quite concerned about the quality of air um, and the air pollution in our neighborhood. Mm. You know, we our, our windows and our surfaces are often covered with this kind of slimy, oily, black uh debris hmm. that I, I think is coming from Marathon. And, you know, the I feel like that a lot of Southwest, and even more so down around 48217, is, is a sacrifice zone hmm. for somebody else's economic development. Wow. And and it is a really a great concern. Yeah. Sean, I, I appreciate the call and that information. I think lots of people who live in Southwest have very similar stories. But I also always point out we, we have uh, air quality issues all over the city of Detroit. Southwest mm-hmm. is is particularly concentrated, but for years we had an incinerator right mm-hmm. in the center of, right. of the city that we pretended was not uh, was not polluting. Um, so you're absolutely right. I, I want to quickly get to Dan in Detroit. Dan, I've got about 30 seconds left, but you have a specific question. Dan? Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. I've had a carton full of batteries for uh, a long time, and I'm 
wondering if anyone there knows where I could um, uh, take them to to recycle. Yeah, great question, Dan. Uh, what do you so, do with so old batteries? Depending on where you live, uh, you could check with with either the city um, or township where you live. Um, there's a consortium called Sacra in Southeast Michigan that um, you can go and take batteries there. But I would definitely check with your municipality because they will tell you where to take those and dispose of them properly. But you're right; don't throw them in the trash. <laughs> take them to the right disposal <laughs> right, place. Right. Okay, Nick Shrek and Bridget Underhill. Thanks to both of you for being here. Thank you. And a reminder that the University of Detroit Mercy School of Law is hosting this law symposium. That's at 651 East Jefferson Avenue in Detroit, Friday, March 6th from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. It is free and open to the public. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.